and amen. All right, we'll go ahead and get started uh, this morning, and we're going to be starting there in 2 Timothy. We'll read the text here in just a moment, and uh, we're looking at the power of a parent's influence, and just you can kind of follow along there with your outline. I may refer refer to it, I may not at times, um, but uh, uh, we'll try to, uh, you know, you can just kind of follow along there. It's pretty simple to follow, and uh, here you go, Brother Patrick. All right, all right. Praise the Lord. All right, so we're in uh, the book of 2 Timothy, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of, and I've brought this up already, but we understand there's a lot of forces at work uh, out in the world that are trying to get the attention, and not just the attention of our young children, but the adoration of our young children. You know, it's not that they're just wanting to kind of flash something in front of them, they not only want to show it to them, but they want them to fall in love with it. And these things aren't good. You know, most of these things are, are not good. And so these forces, of course, uh, if you peel back enough layers, we understand uh, that all this is because we have an enemy, uh, the devil, the direction of Satan. Uh, and, and uh, you know, we need to, uh, uh, you know, his whole purpose and the world's purpose, if you will, is to, and it's not just about our children, but certainly a big part of that, is that these influences want our children to stray away from biblical truth, you see. In other words, if they stay ignorant towards biblical truth, if they stay unaware that there's a God in heaven that loves them and has provided a way for them to be saved and that has also provided them a way in which to live their life where they can experience blessings, the devil doesn't want them to know that, you see. Uh, and so there's a lot of those things that are going on. And so as parents, we know that other influence is out there. And as parents, we have to strive to be our children's greatest influencer. In other words, we know they're going to be influenced by the things that are out there in the world. That's not going to stop. So what we have to do is we have to become a better influence. We have to be greater in influencing them than the world. And I want to tell you something. That's going to take some doing. Because I tell you what, they're just getting better and better at influencing our children, especially with the media and uh, uh, technology and instant communications and stuff. It's getting harder and harder uh, to do that. We're going to talk about that here in just a moment. Now, to do that, again, we first of all, we've got to guard the influence of our children. In other words, we need to be aware that there's things out there that want to influence our children and that we can't just leave it up to them to figure it out. We need to guide them. And so we have to determine to maintain a Christ-like spirit in our homes. And again, you can kind of follow along there uh, on the outline if you have one. And so we got to determine to maintain a Christ-like spirit in our homes. Now, you'll see there that our influences on our children come two ways. There's two different ways in which we influence our children. There's intentional influences and unintentional influences. And these are really significant. Now, both of these, uh, the intentional influence can can produce a, a biblical or unbiblical influence. In other words, we can intentionally influence with the Bible. We can intentionally not influence with the Bible. And then the unintentional is the same way. Sometimes we can unintentionally uh, 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 have a biblical influence, and I'll explain what that means, but we can also unintentionally have unbiblical influences. And we've learned how our children, hey, listen, our children will always follow our example more than what we say. Amen? You know, we, we always need to remember that. Uh, and so, so both of these uh, influences, intentional, unintentional, can produce biblical or unbiblical influence. And here, here's an example of this. 
Uh, let's say that, that a father uh, loses his temper in front of his daughter, has a fit. Okay, I'm guilty of that myself. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, that's why I come up with this example. I remember a specific time. And so when a father loses his temper in front of his daughter, that wasn't intentional. He didn't set out to do that. It was unintentional. But the result was, was an unbiblical influence. Right? Okay? So, so we understand that. But let's say, on the other hand, a father, uh, maybe the family is going somewhere, and the young son notices that his father uh, takes a little time and opens the door for his wife and gives her a peck on the cheek. He didn't set out to do that. It was just kind of unintentional. wasn't doing it for any other reason. But his son takes notice of that. He says, you know what? You know, my dad's always talked about how we're to, to love our wives as Christ loves the church. That was unintentional, but it was biblical. See the difference? Now, on the other hand, uh, uh, let's say that a, that a family uh, plans on and goes out and buys tickets to a, uh, a Grateful Dead concert or something. A rock concert. Kind of dating myself there a little bit, ain't I? So they say, well, you know what? We're, we're going we're gonna to take the family to a rock concert. That was intentional and yet unbiblical. And then on the other hand, the family uh, uh, takes a, a day to, to have a picnic and, 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 and the dad wants to take them out there and show them and teach them about God's creation. Uh, again, that was intentional, but it was biblical. So we see all these different variances there. So these are, what I'm trying to get you to understand is if you look at it from that way, and we need to, we're talking about millions <laughs> over a lifetime, millions of instances where we're either intentionally or unintentionally, it doesn't matter, where we're intentionally or unintentionally teaching, th- teaching our children things that are biblical or unbiblical. And I don't know about you, but that's uh, exciting in some ways, but also a little convicting in others. <laughs> Um, what does it tell us? Well, it tells us that we really ought to be paying attention, right? Because, listen, just because we decide, you know, to, to back off, do you think the devil's going to back off in his influence? Ooh, absolutely not. Matter of fact, the Bible indicates it's going to get worse and worse. <laughs> He's going to continue on. And so these are just some practical things, that I think, just to help us to understand. Uh, and so we have these millions of moments of influence that our children observe, really from the time that they're born until they mature into adults, and I would say even, even beyond, uh, as they start their own families as well. And so the challenge, and we'll get to the text here in just a minute, the challenge is for us to make the intentional and unintentional count for good. In other words, that's, that's what we want to strive for every time. Doesn't mean we will. I've failed in all these areas. Uh, but, but we need to be, that's what we want to try to do uh, by the grace of God. And, and so, you know, you say, well, preacher, you know, th- this world that we live in, you know, what, uh, you know, how, how do I do that? <laughs> you know, with everything that's going on in the world and, and all the tools that the world has. And this really brings us right into our text and, and really a great example really, of, of, of Timothy, but, but really, to look at Timothy, we've got to look at two people that had a tremendous influence on him. And really, save your place there uh, in 2 Timothy 3. Just go back to 2 Timothy chapter 1, so you don't really have to turn that far. But he had a great influence from two godly women. We know this to be his mother uh, and his grandmother. And Paul mentions this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. He says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith... Uh, that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, 
uh, and thy mother, Eunice, uh, and am persuaded uh, that in thee also. So he's, he's calling to remembrance the influence that these two ladies, grandma and mom, had on young Timothy. Uh, now Timothy is grown. And he is, you know, one of the greatest Christians that we'll read about uh, in the Scripture. And so this is so important to understand. And even in this case, we've talked about God's preferred method is for a father to lead spiritually. But we know also from the Scriptures that Timothy's father was most likely lost. He wasn't even saved. But despite having a lost father, these two women successfully influenced this young boy for the Lord. So we know it can happen, amen? Uh, because we have an example here. And so Timothy, again, he would go on to be a wonderful, wonderful Christian. So let's read the text here with all that in mind. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. And the Bible says, uh, And yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So much for the uh, peace and prosperity uh, teachings. Amen. It says, hey, look, if you live for the Lord, you're going to suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. We certainly see that today, eh, right? Uh, deceiving and being deceived. But continue, Timothy, but continue in the things which thou hast learned. Remember those things that he learned from his mother and grandmother and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child, amen, that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So we see here a perfect example of, of bringing your child up in the admonition of the Lord and the results of that. So this is a wonderful, wonderful uh, example of some things and really a good way to kind of start this, this next series of lessons on a power uh, of a parent's influence as we think about these two dear ladies. Now, we notice there a, a twofold warning in other words, when I read verse 12 and 13, it, you, know, you might have thought, well, this, this kind of doesn't really go into what we're talking about, but it does. And I want to take a little bit of time there to uh, look at that. So you can kind of follow along there on letter C underneath the introduction. But we notice there a twofold warning before Paul speaks of the godly influence. First of all, uh, we see that uh, godly people will suffer persecution. Verse 13 tells us that things are going to get worse. So we need to understand that. We need to understand that. Now, number one, godly people suffer. Now, here's the thing. We have to realize that if godly people suffer, this means that our godly children will suffer. We have to understand that. In other words, they will suffer strictly because they want to do what God says instead of what the world says. And you know what? I say amen. Amen. You know, And so many times, uh, uh, parents will make decisions based on curricular activities uh, you know, in other words, they, 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 they don't want to lose those friends. They, they want to stay in that group uh, of, of fun and activity. Uh, and, and listen, when, when a, a family or a child decides to follow God, they will suffer persecution. You know, that's, that's a fact. Of course, we know that persecution never outweighs the blessings, and that's another lesson. But we have to be committed. We know that. We have to be committed to influence them biblically, in other words, to influence our children to stand for God's truth. And so again, we'll be talking about instilling uh, godly principles over these, uh, uh, you know, the, on how to do these types of things over these lessons. But understand that we need to instill godly principles deep into our children's heart and understand that they're going to suffer persecution for it. 
But if it's deep in their heart, even when they suffer that persecution, they're going to stay strong. They're not going to give up on God. How do they do that? By seeing their parents not give up on God. You know, that's what happens. You know, every time somebody looks at mom and dad crossways, they go find another church and get all mad, and then they wonder why they why their children go and do the same thing. Amen? Yeah, amen. So again, it's, it's, we have to understand that, hey, if you're going to live for the Lord, your children are going to suffer for it. Now, here's the thing. I want to get to this, and it kind of goes into the second part there of, of things getting worse. But they're going to suffer. Here's just something that God laid on my heart, and I'm going to get a little preachy here for just a moment, bold and sharing their faith with others. I'm trying to get you to understand that our children are going to face a lot more resistance than we are today. Now, just keep that in mind. Let's just put it this way, that have kind of got by. Because of God's grace. In other words, by. They've just kind of lived with it and put up with it. And they've got by. Now, here's the thing that that, that worries me uh, about those types of things. As the Bible says, even here, but the Bible teaches us that things wax worse and worse. And their children, uh, sometimes there's exceptions to this, but not very often, their children are really going to do as they did. And usually even less, right? In other words, they're going to they're going to do even less, okay? Um, because it's just kind of the nature of us. My point is is that although you got by in serving the Lord the way that you have in a in somewhat of a weak manner, uh, you pass that on to your children. I believe the chances of spiritual disaster for them is far greater than it was for you. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. This is something we just we really need to get a hold of. I'll give you an example. Um, uh, maybe you have a grandpa or a great-grandpa, and uh, we have a World War II vet with us, so Brother Billy, uh, today. And um, uh, I like to watch old war, uh, you know, uh, not fictional ones, but what am I trying to say? Those things are amazing to me. But let's say that uh, great-grandpa uh, who flew fighter planes in World War II and for whatever reason, he has one, and he shows up in his fighter plane to fight in an air battle today. You know, with the the, the new age jet, you know, that goes. Um, but but boy, when he if he was to come out, come out that thing today and try to go out there, and that's very sobering to me, very very sobering to me. Uh, and again, they they you know you might have got by okay with that. Just like Grandpa got by with it, but listen, your children are not going to have a chance if we don't wake up. Amen? Amen. Hey, we're not just having Sunday school to have Sunday school. We're going to have Sunday school to impact our lives, right? And so this is some things we need to get a hold of. So that's the first part uh, of the warning. They are going to suffer persecution. They are going to suffer for their godliness. And I say they're probably going to have to suffer more in a lot of ways than we have. So we need to prepare them. Then we see that the, the, the warning there, as I said, just it's going to get worse, as he speaks there in verse 13. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And so uh, these are evil forces at work. Again, as I said at the beginning of this message, committed to capturing the mind and heart of our children. That, that's, what, that's what this is all about, capturing the mind and heart of our children. You know, no one can convince me otherwise that things, and I preach on these things, the media, the music industry, the fashion industry, and many other things that I rant and go on about is not being controlled by Satan and his demons. 
you'll never convince me otherwise. Because we think about all the negative influence and the immorality that comes out of those very things and many more we could talk about. There's no way we could deny that. If we have, you know, just some common sense would show that those things have not been good to our children over the, the years. You know, uh, a lot of times, you know, I'm meddling here a little bit, but that's my job. <laughs> you know, you know, we, you know, we, we, we kind of look back and say, well, how, where'd all this stuff come from? You know, hey, listen, it didn't start with, again, I'm aging myself here a little bit, but, but it didn't start with Madonna, you know, and, you know, Aerosmith, and it didn't start with all those. You know, we could go back and say, really, it started with Elvis and the Beatles. It started with the honky-tonk music of the 30s and 40s. You know? Amen? What's the Bible say? It waxes worse and worse. You say, well, I don't see nothing wrong. Elvis has got a beautiful voice. I don't see nothing. You ever heard him sing Peace in the Valley? Yeah, I've heard Elvis sing Peace in the Valley. And Elvis may very well be in heaven, okay? I, I kind of believe that he probably is. But, but my point is, okay, is that, listen, these things wax worse and worse. They all have a starting point. And it's up to us. It's up to us to influence them greater than these other things. Because, you know, the devil's pretty smart. And so, again, I believe the devil's involved in these things. And there's an army of people, whether they know it or don't, don't know it, but they're deceived, uh, you know, oftentimes of lost people that spend billions of dollars to teach children as early even as preschools. We looked at some of that last week to, to, to teach them that, that wicked living is normal. I mean, that's what they're trying to do is teach our children. Now, some of us that are pretty long in the tooth, they'll never convince us that homosexuality is right. They know that. They'll never convince us that, that, that you, a boy could be a girl just because they decide to. I mean, they'll never convince us of that. They know it. But they can sure convince them when they're about this high. Yeah. They can sure do that, can't they? So there we go. So we have to, we have to overcome that. Uh, to teach our teenagers that, hey, listen, that, 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 that wicked living is not normal, that God doesn't put up with those types of things, and that there's uh, certainly consequences uh, when we don't adhere to those things. So, you say, preacher, you're bumming me out. Well, look there at your notes, letter D. There is hope. <laughs> there is hope. And as we read there in 2 Timothy 14, 15, I want to read it again. Here's how we battle it, folks. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So there's a lot of hope here, but also a challenge for us. And so these two godly women, they brought up Timothy. Listen, um, they're in Lystra. Some people say Lystra, but in Lystra, uh, uh, they, the, the culture there at that time was really a lot like what we're living in today. I mean, it was, it was, it was, pretty, it was a Roman city. I mean, we, we know about Roman cities, right? Uh, a first century Roman city on top of that. Gross immorality, idol worship everywhere. Remember, it was a city that had drugged Paul out previously and had him stoned. So, I mean, these people did not like the gospel. So in a lot of ways, it was a lot worse than what we live in today. But these women that were committed to influence this young man more than to allow the world to influence them did it. 
And you know what? If they can do it, you can do it. Because really, it was God's grace. It was just simply obeying, doing what God says. Uh, and they captured, the key was, was as a child, they captured the heart of Timothy, and they successfully directed him, directed, that is, his heart to the Lord. And that's what our job is, folks. As parents, grandparents, uh, influencers, we, we need to do that. Uh, now, we can't do it on our own. We have to rely on God. Uh, and so over the next uh, few weeks, that's what we're going to be looking at on how to do this. So number one, and I'm terribly behind already. That's okay. Um, number one, and this is, you know, we, we probably won't even get through number one today, but uh, influence through the Scriptures. If you've heard me preach at all, hardly a sermon goes by that I don't talk about how important it is that we use the Scriptures to live our life. So you see there in, in your notes, Scriptures mold the heart to go in the direction of God. It goes on to say the human heart is most moldable when we are children. That's something the devil knows. That's something the world knows. That's why they just keep getting younger. And we see that there in verse 15, that influence in that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Did he just, was he born? Was at two years old? Did Timothy just automatically know the Scriptures? How did he know the Scriptures then? He was taught. (laughs) Amen. Why can't we get that? It's amazing to me. I hear parents say, well, you know, if my children want to go to church, you know, it's going to be their decision. You know, I don't want to push them in any direction. I want them to decide. How's that working out for us? Not very good. Not very good. Besides that, it's unbiblical. It's not what the Bible teaches. We see there on our notes again, the Bible can be used to build spiritual boundaries that provide structure and biblical standards in the home. Structure in biblical standards, boundaries. See, that's something the world, you know, is just, you know, love is love. You know, just, hey, if it feels good, do it. What's, what's, what's wrong for you doesn't mean it's wrong for me. And people go, that's right. That's right. Very intelligent. Very intelligent. You know what? That's right out of hell. That is right out of hell itself. Drives me absolutely insane. All we got to do, you know what they say, the proof is in the pudding? I mean, is that philosophy working with our children? No, it's not. It's not. And God has the answer. So, first of all, letter A, provide structure. Proverbs 22.6, there uh, on your notes, here's what the Bible says to do. Train up. Do it. On purpose. Train up a child the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. What a great promise. So really, this is structured training, or I think I have it there, structured learning. And that's what I'm trying to get you to... Listen, it's not just thinking your child will have to figure it out. We, as parents, as grandparents, as influencers uh, over our family, we have to be the trainers. We have to show them. We have to influence them. And so we train our children in every area of life. You know, we, we, we train them to clean their room, or at least I hope you do, to pick up after themselves, to brush their teeth. You know, we, we train them to do all these things. And we also have to train them to read their Bible, train them to pray, train them to go to church. You know, these things have to be taught. They need to be trained in these areas, not just left up to them to figure it out. Like I said, you might have got by okay with that. But I'm telling you, they are facing days unlike you and I have ever had to face. It will not get them through it. That's a great concern of mine. 
So, and it's not only showing them, but also inspecting what they do and making corrections. That flies in the face of modern child rearing, doesn't it? You know, Dr. Phil says, uh, you know, you don't ever want to break the will of your child. Well, guess what? If you don't break his will, he'll break yours. <laughs> you got to raise him on purpose. Hey, you, you, you were a child once. <laughs> you know what you did? You're like water. You go the easiest way until somebody makes you do something. Hey, it's our job. I, I unapologetically say it's our job to break the will of our children. It has to be broke. There's a sin issue in each and every one of us. Now, we don't just do that by force. We do that with the influence of the gospel, and I've teached on, taught on those things. Uh, but I uh, just want you to understand that we, we have to look at this from a biblical perspective. It, it, it takes structure. It takes setting boundaries, and we're going to talk about those things. Um, and these things are to be set uh, by, by us. Now, according to the principles of Scripture, we'll get into this. And that really takes us to the subject of standards. You know, I don't know why it is, but that standards thing has become a hot topic, especially in the independent Baptist realm of late, and I don't know why. Well, I know why. <laughs> it's just rebellion is what it is. But, but again, you know, we, we have this, this idea that we can just ignore Bible commands, ignore biblical principles, and just and set our standards any way we want, and just say, don't judge me, I love God. I mean, that's what we do. But, but again, if we, we're going to look at this from, from the home, but I think we could also make some, some spiritual applications even uh, in other uh, realms of, of our life as well. So we're going to see here, and if you flip your notes over there, you'll see it. You'll see a little triangle there. Provide standards. Provide standards. So uh, letter A, we're to provide structure. We've got to have structure. In order to provide structure, we've got to have standards. So how do we as parents go about setting standards? And we might even use the word boundaries. Okay, So it's not just standards, it's boundaries. Now, let me just say this, first of all. I don't want you to misunderstand me. I grew up in an era when, you know, especially when my dad said, go do this, I didn't go, why? Or how come, you know, how come Fred, you know, my little brother, how come Fred, why does Fred do it? Why do I got to always do it? You know, there was none of that. When dad said, go down there and get that, I went down there and got that. By the way, that's good. Okay, nothing wrong with that. So, so I want, don't want you to misunderstand me here. So children ought to obey and respect their parents' authority. Amen, amen. But here's the thing. It can breed trouble when we're talking about biblical things, we're talking about standards. It can breed trouble if parents simply just have that because I said so attitude. You know. Now, now don't get me wrong. There's times when, you know, in the heat of things, that simple obedience and, and no questions asked is necessary. You know, if little Johnny is fixing to run out in the middle of Highway CC and there's a logging truck coming down, you don't want to run out there and kneel down beside little Johnny and go, now, little Johnny, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be, you know, there's a log truck coming. And so what I need you to do is look me in the eye, look me in the eye. And I want you to understand that, that uh, you need to get out of the way because, if you know, this log truck will come. And if you, you know, No, they just need to say, get out of the road, boy! And he needs to jump and get out of the road. That's, you see what I'm saying? Uh, you know, I'm not saying this is always the case. But as they grow older, 
what, what I'm trying to get you to say is it's, it's, you know, we have to balance these things. And as they get older, we need to explain things. And what we're trying to do is we've got to show them from God's Word. Amen? In other words, this isn't a daddy thing. This is a God thing. This is a God thing. That's, that's so important to understand. And so we need to explain those things. And we've got to show them from God's Word. Uh, we'll talk about standards, but these standards and, and boundaries, you know, they, they are what they are because of, uh, as a spiritual leader of your home, this is what God reveals to me. Because if we don't do that, you can force them to obey just out of simple fear. And again, that's not always bad. But as they begin to enter, especially into their teens, they're most likely going to rebel against that. And I've seen that. I, you know, I've seen a lot of good separated uh, men and women that raised their families and, and they did all the right things. And as soon as the, those older ones got up old enough, they, they flew the coop. And, and by their own admission, they'll just say, you know, I, I just forced, you know, I, I didn't really teach them that this was a godly thing that we're doing. So I, I, I want you to understand that. But if you've emphasized the love for God in their hearts, and they've seen that in you, they'll see these standards, not, you know, dad is enforcing them, mom's enforcing them, but they'll see them as, as from the scriptures. And I'm telling you, that makes a huge difference. A huge, huge difference. Um, now, so we get into this, this standard thing here. Now, there are a lot of things uh, that would be difficult to point directly to the Bible and say, that is wrong. Now, we know in our heart, in other words, Anybody that studies the Bible regularly and puts the Word of Scripture in their heart, they get certain convictions based on the totality of Scripture. In other words, what I'm saying is, I think anybody that's a mature Christian would have to agree that watching MTV probably doesn't glorify God. And that watching MTV is probably not going to help you spiritually to go out and make good decisions. I think we would, all, I think we would agree with that. But it doesn't say in the Bible, thou shalt not watch MTV. <laughs> doesn't say that in the Bible, right? Um, and uh, kind of got quiet here when I mentioned MTV. <laughs> Maybe we need to back up uh, here a little bit. No, I'm, I'm just, well, no, I'm not teasing you. Hey, listen, if you're watching MTV, you need to quit. That's, that's bad stuff. But, but my point is, is that, you know, we, we don't have, you know, specific detailed commands on a lot of things. But understand, and a lot of people like to do that. Show me in the Bible says I can't watch MTV. You know, well, it's not going to say you can't watch MTV. Uh, but but listen, we can from Scripture form our standards in these types of, of areas of rule when it comes to separation. And and again, any reasonable thinking Christian would know that that would be a terrible influence, and and uh, we should abstain from all appearances of evil. Those types of things. And, and as a matter of fact, we need to understand that we can. I would even say you must. You must do these things and, and, and do it. So we notice our diagram there. So we have this pyramid. And so we have a Bible command. We have a principle. And then we have a standard. And so, so I want to talk about these, and then we'll probably have to stop here in just a moment. And we might even kind of go over them again next week because I'm running out of time. But, but first of all, we have the Bible command. That's the foundation of everything. And so this is an instruction found in Scripture. It's clear. The Bible makes it clear. I have just an example here. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 through 16. So as, as, uh, as saved people, 
But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That means life, your normal course of life, because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. There's the command. The Bible command is for believers to be holy in all manner of life. That's what conversation means. That is clear, right? I mean, absolutely, crystal clear, no doubt about it. That's something God wants in my life. Okay? So we take that. So the Bible Bible, uh, command is clear. So from our Bible, from the Bible commands, as uh, people have areas of rule, as a spiritual leader in your family, from, from that Bible command, there needs to be a principle that's set. In other words, here, here's the, the, the principle. A principle, we, we could even go a little more plainer. The Bible certainly teaches, thou shall not steal, right? So the principle is, in our house, we're not going to take things that don't, belong, that don't belong to us. We're going to live by that principle. That also means... Uh, I'm living by that principle. That also means that when I'm on the job, I'm going to give my employer an honest day's work because if I didn't, that would be stealing. Right? Amen? Uh, when, when I get my taxes in, I'm not going to cheat the government. I'm going to pay my taxes because if I didn't, that would be stealing. It doesn't say that in the... Well, it does about taxes. But you know what I'm saying? Not all these things are covered in the Bible, but the Bible command says, be ye holy, and out of that holiness, we have a principle that we're going to live by. And that could cover a whole multitude of things. See what I'm saying? Very simple to understand. So we know that God commands us as believers to be holy. Uh, we apply that command to specific issues. And when I say command, the truth of God to these specific issues in life. And if there's things that I'm practicing that don't line up with that principle, guess what? I need to stop. So the principle, again, being drawn from... Uh, 1 Peter 15 through 16 would go like this. I think, yeah, I have it written down here. Here's the principle. My lifestyle must reflect the holiness of God and should be separated from ungodliness. That's the principle in which we're going to live. And out of that comes standards. Now, here's where we, I don't know why we mess up. In other words, in order to maintain that principle, which is built on a Bible command, there has to be boundaries, right? 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 I mean, let's just use some common sense here. I know the world says, you know, you can't do that stuff. You just got to let people live and do it. Hey, listen, you know, they got to be freedom to think and make choices. Hey, listen, that's all a bunch of garbage. We have to have standards from a principle. Again, look at standards as boundaries. We have to have boundaries and standards to maintain that principle. Because if we have things in our life that, that pull us away from that standard, that pull us away from that principle, rather, uh, it's, it's for naught. And believe me, your children will pick up on that. God, Dad got up and preached me a sermon and crossed his arms and said, as for me and my house, and, but yet he still does this. He goes out and lives like the devil. You know, he, he says, yeah, we, we ought to be holy, but he's got things in his life that he's doing and, You know what you just did? You just told your children that none of this matters. Go out and do what you want to do. So we have to have standards. We have to have boundaries. And then we have to apply those standards to our areas of rule and responsibility. And so we'll we'll end with this, and we'll kind of get into some other things uh, next week. But it says uh, uh, there in our example, 1 Peter 15, 16, we learn uh, that... uh, uh, from the principle of holiness, we have standards in our area of rule related, you know, to whatever it may be. I don't think I have all this written down. But again, you know, I mentioned some things, music, relationships, entertainment, uh, you know, uh, dress, all, all those types of things. All those things, are, those standards are going to be in place because there's a certain principle 
based on the Word of God. And so if we mess the standard up, and we take the standard lightly, and we give on that, you're absolutely just destroying the rest of it as well. And it's just a bunch of fluff to your children. You might be exactly right in your Bible command. You've interpreted it completely right. The principle, you've got it down, it is exactly right. But because you don't maintain the standard, it means absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I'm going to tell you something. That's provoking your children to wrath. Amen. 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 And so we're going to stop there. I'm just getting wound up, but we've got to stop because we've got to have church. And uh, so we'll continue on uh, actually with that letter B. We're not quite done with that, and then uh, we'll, we'll get through some other stuff as well. But you'll notice there on your notes, I think I put it on there, uh, the other... Uh, subjects that are coming up. So we're talking about influence through the Scriptures. We're also going to be talking about influence through salvation, uh, talking about uh, uh, leading your children to the Lord and the importance of that, and then influence through a godly spirit. In other words, our children being yielded uh, to the things of God. So some great, great things uh, coming up. And so I hope and pray that you'll make it a point uh, to be here. Uh, And uh, bring some folks along with you as well. Again, these are uh, recorded as well if you want to utilize that uh, for others. All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. We've got about 15 minutes, 10 minutes uh, before church starts.